Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use. No doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for February the 27th in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is one hour, one of two, and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide. And as you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, ladies and gentlemen. We are live at the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association Conference, CSPOA.org, to learn more. Had an incredible public event yesterday. Today, the sheriffs break it down in private to see what they're going to do about gun control, about the First Amendment, about how they're going to reject restrictions on businesses and stand up for Americans and reject the lies of the cocoa vaccination uh, mandate. What are they talking about? I mean, they're out of control, folks, and they've got to just simply be stopped. The County Sheriff, America's Last Hope, the name of the conference, a two-day event. Chris Ann Hall wraps it all up. Chris Ann Hall, well-known constitutional attorney and public speaker, has the final word. So that's all coming up. We'll brief you on the details. Um, yesterday, we had a great broadcast, though, I'm telling you right now. Uh, we had the El Dorado County Sheriff's Lieutenant Jeff Leekoff with us, phenomenal uh, guy doing a great job out in California. I, poor guy. Could you imagine being out in California these days, folks? Whoa, geez Louise. All right. We also had former Elkhart County Sheriff Brad Rogers with us, and Brad's always a great public speaker. He's currently elected, believe it or not, after being sheriff, and he was term limited, don't you know? And then he became a county commissioner, doing a phenomenal job up there as well uh, in Indiana. We had our guest on Lil Nelson Campaign for Liberty.org with us, doing a phenomenal job. Remote, by the way, from the conference. We talked about Christy Nome discussing the loss of the Keystone Pipeline in South Dakota. Why wouldn't South Dakota keep working on that pipeline regardless of what <clears throat> Crazy Joe says? Look, there is this thing called nullification, ladies and gentlemen. we got to stick with it. I'm telling you what. Action alert. we got to stop the con, con, con. Yeah, it's a con, the con, con. And uh, we really need to stop the crony capitalism as well, ladies and gentlemen, if we want to make a big difference. Campaignforliberty.org. Preserving female sports, <clears throat> another Utah bill. It's across the country, folks. I'm telling you right now, these men want to just roll into these women's sports and just dominate. We were talking about football. Just imagine if you're just rushing the female quarterback and they just nail her like they do in, in pro football. Could you imagine, folks? But it's just out of control. And we've got to come to our senses on this fact that there are males and females God-ordained. Shall I tell you that? Reject the move, ladies and gentlemen, to rename Dixie State University in Utah. They want to tell you it's all racist to have a Dixie State. It isn't racist. It's historical, folks. That was hour one of the broadcast yesterday. Still available at LibertyRoundTable.com, LovingLiberty.net. Spread the word. Tell your neighbor. Live and on-demand radio free at your fingertips. We also had our guest Richard Mack's son, Jimmy Mack, with us on your, on your radio. We talked about uh, where we were. We were with former Congressman Steve Stockman, by the way. Now free by the grace of God Almighty. Sam and Steve chat about the border, immigration, 
fake news, and many other topics. That's the recap of yesterday's broadcast, available now on demand at your fingertips, lovingliberty.net, libertyroundtable.com. Today, news the networks refuse to use starts now live from the CSPOA conference, cspoa.org, to learn more. And Steve Toff with us, ladies and gentlemen. He is a Texas state representative. Steve Toff for Texas.com is the website. And he's a South Montgomery, Texas state representative. Now, I guess he's also an ordained minister, local small business owner, and more. He says it's time to reverse the out-of-control actions in Texas. It's time to go ahead and stand up for what? It's imperative to defend our Constitution. I love it. Steve, welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. Great to be with you, Sam. So catch me up a little bit then. You were in, um, or you were a state rep, and then you uh, were going to run for Congress, and then you came back to be a state rep, right? Correct. All right. Well, we're glad to have you back, sir. Great to be back, and it's uh, great to be with you this morning. I love the CSPOA. I, I was part of the convention in Missouri in 2013, and uh, this place, and Sheriff Mack has a special place in my heart. He actually came and, and spoke on behalf and testified on behalf of my um, Federal Firearms Protection Act bill back in 2013. Uh, wisely so. By the way, that's on the agenda today for the sheriffs as well, and we're hoping that uh, you can be there and be part of that. Looking forward to it. So that's something really important. I know that Biden is kind of, what, taking off the gloves on gun control? He's ready to, to take them out of our hands. You've got a few Republican betrayers amongst the group as well. Uh, what do you think is going to happen this time, gun controller? Are we going to be able to stand up and stop it? We're going to uh, – absolutely. We've got a number of initiatives right here in the state of Texas to nullify and interpose, and uh, we're absolutely not going to allow this. It's just not going to happen here in Texas. Nullify now is the key interposition, certainly vital as well. Um, do you think that the legislative bodies are as strong on the states? You know, states have been steamrolled as of late by the feds, and it seems like they need to just bust out and stand up. They've been kind of afraid to because of the cash that rolls from the feds to states. In my opinion, illegal is all get out, but that's another topic. Uh, but do you think they can um, stand strong even with the money gravy trainer rolling, sir? Absolutely. I mean, look. We should. This is one area where we need to take a lesson from the left. The left nullifies and interposes over drugs. They nullify and interpose over the issue of of uh, immigration, federal immigration. And um, as an example, okay. they have sanctuary cities all over the United States. They continue to disobey ICE detainer uh, orders. They uh, continue to. Um, legalized drugs when uh, against uh, against federal federal law so why is it we're sam why is it we're not doing the same thing over life why are we not nullifying and interposing over life and protecting the, the real reason why is because the democrats understand nullification better than we do and so when it's, a, when, exactly. it's a, when it's a belligerent and, crazy and psychotic we, view they do we pretty let, well when it's the we, moral exactly. constitutional we law have, we, have we don't stand up like we should we we, we absolutely do I mean, at the end of the day, what this really comes down to is spine and the lack thereof on the part of the Republican Party. We don't have the spine to do it. Now, I believe Donald Trump has really changed the party, though. You know what? I lost a ton of faith in the Republican Party. Every time we turn around, I mean, we had the Republican Revolution or whatever you want to call it, the freshman, whatever, back in the 90s. You had the, you know, retake the House, the Senate, the White House, the courts, and we didn't get a lot done. And, but I believe Trump has really, in, in many ways, remade the party and given it a little bit of mojo, huh? Absolutely. You know, you look at it all the way back in in um, 2009, the Texas House was 76 Republicans to 74 Democrats. And then one year later, this thing called the Tea Party had occurred. 
And we went from a 76-74 majority to a 101 to 49 seat majority. And, you know, at the end of the day, what this really comes down to is that if you have a clear, strong, bright, bold color message, as Ronald Reagan talked about it, instead of drab pastels, people will turn out and vote. But then what's really incumbent is that you then have to go and legislate as conservatives. You can't just talk about it. you got to do it. And oh, that's what Trump that. did. That's what Trump did. Yes, he did. And that's why a record number of people turned out and voted for him. I don't believe it was 74 million. I, I think it was closer to 85 million. Or if, even more than that. Exactly. Exactly. Because he stood for pro-life. He stood for the proper view on Israel. He uh, put some uh, quite a big bit of good judges. Now, the Supreme Court judges might have been uh, somewhat of a concern. But up and down the line, and appellate judges and everything else, he did a phenomenal job. Um, I don't think people are giving him credit or recognizing really what was accomplished. It, it, at the end of the day, you know, um, people can get hung up over the way Trump tweets, whatever. I, you know, I'm so done with that stupid I kinda message. I kind of dig it. I kind of think I, it's fun just to take I, those people I on think, and mock them a little bit. Yeah, Come I on. Think, well, and at the end of the day, too, it's just it, this is the way he gets under the skin of his opponents, and he makes – he, he actually absolutely sidetracks them from what he's really doing – which is some really solid policy that we, all of us have been asking for for years. I mean, look at Biden's been in office now for 30 days and he's already started a war in Syria. He's already dragging us deeper into Syria, which is what we don't want. Yeah, it's disaster on steroids. No completely. Question. And and yet everyone said, oh, oh I mean, the, uh, on the left, I think they're calling they, it, by the way, Operation Quagmire, aren't they? It's complete. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is this is what the war establishment, the deep swamp wants is to get our boys and and young girls involved in another foreign war. And this is what Trump was so strongly speaking out against. This is what the left said that Trump was going to be about. Trump is going to drag us into wars. Did he? They no. said he was going to drag us into wars and ruin the economy. Isn't that the deal? Yeah. We absolutely. have the best economy in modern times. Absolutely. Now, by the way, you're a small business owner, right? I am. Tell me about it. So we have a construction company. We build water projects, everything from uh, residential pools to commercial pools to commercial water projects. I'm going to tell you a story about a pool. I was 11 years old, and we wanted a swimming pool. So the contractor came over and gave us a bid, and my dad's like, well, it might be a little bit too expensive for us right now. My dad was a general contractor, by the way, and he went in to take a phone call, and I talked to the pool man. I was about 11 years old, and I said, hey, man, would you like to travel? The guy's like, oh, yeah, I love it. I said, I'll tell you what, man, we'll trade this motorhome for a swimming pool. And the guy actually wanted to do it, but he said, I'll, i got to have your dad come out and say he'll do it. So we traded the motorhome for a swimming pool, buddy, when I was 11 <laughs> years old. My first trade ever, man. You are bound to be an entrepreneur, <laughs> Sam. That is just awesome. I, I just love that. It was so funny. And I, believe it or not, I didn't think my dad would do it. But he really, my dad's like, well, you really do this, sir? And the guy's like, yeah, I love the travel, and I've been actually looking for a motorhome. <laughs> and anyway, we literally got a pool and a jacuzzi, man. That's awesome. So. <laughs> but but I bring this up, though, because that's the genius of America, right? That's who we it are is. as a people. Yeah. And, and they're trying to shut that down right now and quadruple down on the stimulus to where what? They don't have to open up the economy. They could just keep control of everyone and shut us all down. Just and they keep, just printing, hand out. keep printing money until, until the U.S. dollar is no longer the anchor currency and it's Bitcoin. Do you hear the money music, buddy? Yes, sir. There you have it. Ladies and gentlemen, quick pause. Steve Toff with me. We're talking about liberty. We're talking about America. We're talking live from the CSPOA conference. That's the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association event happening right now. CSPOA.org. To learn more, you are listening to Liberty Roundtable Live.
why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's gonna do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. Hello, Americans. I am Sam Bushman. This is Liberty Roundtable Live. LovingLiberty.net. Spread the word. LibertyRoundtable.com. Live and on demand radio at your fingertips. We are live from the CSPOA conference. Wow. We're at the uh, Woodlands, what, resort in uh, Woodlands, right out of sight of Houston, Texas. Steve Tope with us, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about liberty. We're talking about America. We're talking about the fact that this guy is a state representative for the state of Texas. What is it? State. Uh, 15, is that the district? House, House District 15, you House got it. House District 15, all right, just want to make sure of that. Um, it's Steve Toth for Texas, or Toth for Texas. F-O-R, right? F-O-R. Spelled out. Got it. South Montgomery County, is Montgomery County a Liberty-loving county, or are they? We are kind of the reddest there? county really? in the reddest state in, in America. Yes, sir. Wow. Yes, sir. Is it a religious state, too? Because we lose our country if we're not a religious people, sir. Our constitution is wholly fit only for a religious people and i think montgomery county is a a county that seeks to know the lord and and uh seeks to love him and follow after his word bring it so you're an ordained minister as well as a businessman right and, and a recovering baptist yes Ooh, so wow yeah all that yes sir man so tell me your business and swimming pools how's it doing are people building pools since they can't go anywhere <laughs> so since i got elected i i can't I can't uh, do construction anymore, so we just Why? do service. Hold on. Well, stop. Hold on. Why not? It, um, I mean, this is China? Yeah, yeah. Well, the problem is we're supposed to be a part-time legislature. We're paid a grand total of $600 a month to serve. So For uh, reals, that's it? Yeah, that's okay. it. 
That's it. We get a per diem while we're in session, but um, we're only in session five months every two years. So five, the government, wow. the government that governs least governs best. That's our philosophy. And yeah, we have sixty days of terror in Utah. <laughs> Six, sixty days is our legislative session every, every year. Every year, days. though, right? Yeah, every year sixty days. So that's what four months every two. Actually, years? that's yeah. the way I wish it was in Texas. I wish we were in, we were in for two months once a year. Yeah, because right I wish now, they were we, in session every Monday. That's it. <laughs> well, every Monday, so, so it'd be fifty-two days a year. Yeah, we're we're one hundred and forty days every two years, and there are a lot of people that wish it was two days every 140 years. Hey, amen to that. The reason that I wish it was every Monday, to be honest with you, is because then we could harass you guys all six week, six days of the week. <laughs> well, we'd leave you alone on Sunday, okay? Yeah. But we'd harass you like four days or five days a week, and then one day you'd be representing us, and then the other day we'd leave you alone to rest and pray to the Lord and repent and change and do all the wonderful <laughs> things that you could do. And then see what we could do, though, is we could then just bend your mind around all the different issues that matter to us. And Wouldn't that be phenomenal, really, honestly? <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> well, it'd be, be great fun. if you're a Steve. If you're uh, one of the other guys that don't really want to talk to the constituents, then it would kind of suck, right, for them. Yeah, it would. It would. We, we, um, our philosophy is a lot different in that I, my staff does not act like gatekeepers. In fact, I, I just give out my cell phone number to everyone. I know, it's right on your website. Everyone. I saw that. Yeah, my Crazy. cell phone number is 281-770-7287. If you have an issue, call me. So we're good with it. All right, and that's the difference, ladies and gentlemen, that really matters. If your representative doesn't make himself completely available to you as a constituent, fire them. Yes. Would you please fire them and find somebody else who will be available to you, please? Because that's <laughs> what we need in America if we want to change. Absolutely. All right, so is your business completely on hold, or do you just have it in the hands of others, or what? No, my wife. So kids are all grown up. My, young, my oldest is 32, and uh, she's... Just gave us two grandbabies. Congratulations, this, yeah, brother. Yeah, it's a pretty cool deal, man. She had twins. Yeah. Katie had twins. And then right. my uh, 28-year-old boy just got engaged, and then I've got a 24-year-old boy. One girl, two boys. Yes, sir. And what, two grandkids so far? Two grandbabies, yeah. All right. Congratulations, man. I've Thank got you. eight kids and five grandkids, and I'll tell you what, grandkids are kind of the payback for all the work you've done, my I friend. know. That's it. <laughs> Some that people is. say we should have done it backwards. I, I want the grandkids first, <laughs> and then I can learn to <laughs> be a parent after that, yeah, right? You can, you can practice on the grandbabies, right? All right, so let's talk about this a little more. The CSPA conference, the, the Second Amendment's a real big key, but I really think the First Amendment's a big key, though. You know what? They don't want businesses to be able to stay open. Um, you know, th these are people's livelihoods, and, and I, I'm a little bit concerned about your business, although it, it sounds like it's in good hands. If you put it in the hands of your better half, you're always okay, but... I'm just saying I, this idea that they can have conflict of every conflict of interest everywhere, but yet a guy like you can't even make a living. They attacked Trump on the same principle, didn't they? Oh, absolutely. And and um, they went after him and made up all sorts of ridiculous claims of of, of um, you know um, payoffs from foreign nations and and being you know colluding with Russia. And I mean, even when the hydroxychloroquine thing came out they said oh he's being paid off by the manufacturer of hydroxychloroquine which you know it's a tablet that costs all of 10 cents i mean it's just it was just so ridiculous sam yeah but they can deceive the public and if they tell the lie long enough they're you know people buy into it right yeah and, but we, and we the media the was here though the media was completely complicit in all of it honesty is the issue no doubt about it my friend so how does an ordained minister fit into swimming pools and legislating um <laughs> 
good question. So I'm just saying was, you're a very talented, multi-capable yeah, guy. Yeah, as a right? young man, I, I started taking seminary courses, and my life's goal and dream was to one day be in full-time ministry, and I eventually wound up in, in uh, full-time ministry at a, at a huge church here in the Woodlands, and after two years, I just felt like, and I was, I was over marriage and family life counseling, and I still love to do that. But um, I realized that I needed to be bivocational and do do both ministry as well as be in the marketplace. I I worked for Johnson and Johnson for a number of years and and uh, just I love the marketplace. I love being involved in it, doing consulting work in it, and felt like you know I just there's this entrepreneurial part of me that just needed to continue to exist. And so here I am um, today. I'm involved with Mighty Oaks. I started a ministry. Oh, this is going back 2010 with Chad and Kathy Robichaux, and today it's grown to be one of the largest faith-based veteran service organizations in the United States, helping veterans with PTSD, a Christ-centered approach to sharing the gospel with these guys. And like we've always said from the beginning, which is if what you're doing isn't working, try the Lord. And uh, it's, it, is, it has led to thousands of, of guys with PTSD going through our program that were suicidal, and to date it's it, it's probably one of the most successful programs in the United States is the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, and active duty guys through our program. It's amazing. I want to talk about this a little bit more because this is where President Trump did a lot of good, too, for the veterans that, you know, others have talked about it and never really got it done. Donald Trump did quite a bit for the veterans, too. I know more needs to be done. Don't misunderstand the point. But I think there he doesn't get credit either. No, again, and so started under Bush, Bush started um, an affiliation, an association with faith-based veteran service organizations, and then as soon as Obama came into office, he, he scuttled it. And the reality is that, you know, if the science matters, if the data matters, if, if, if past track record matters, these are the only programs, Sam, that seem to work. And uh, right now, you know, we now, went... Let me just stop you, though. Not have seemed to work, that have proven to prove, work. Sir. Proven to work, yeah, I'm sorry. So as an example, under, under Bush, we were losing 16... Um, veterans a day to suicide. Obama went and eliminated the program and it jumped from 16 to 22 in the matter of about three months. And so that's where we're at right now. We're at about 22 a day that are committing suicide. Trump goes and puts the program back in place. And today we've had about 3,500, between 3,500 and 4,000 veterans go through a program. And we've lost one to suicide. I mean, it's, it is absolutely the best track record of any any program out there i don't cry on the radio but you know what this stuff gets emotional though when you talk about people who have served our country and then when they get back we don't give them the support and the dignity and the honor that they and their families deserve uh that and then babies and pro-life and you know you mix these together because they're really one and the same right just different stages of life Anyway, I don't usually get emotional on the radio, but this stuff, man, yanks at your heartstrings. How can you be? I mean, they always talk about, well, well I'm a um, heartfelt conservative or I'm a, cons- a compassionate conservative or whatever they say. And I appreciate those things. But I look at it and say, how do people have such disregard for families, for individual life, for seriously um, traumatic circumstances that create emotional issues later? How do we have just a disregard for this and a lack of knowledge about it in, in our culture? It's just shocking to me. It's, it's cognitive dissonance. Romans 1, I'm going to wax theological here. Romans Please. 1 says you have an inherent knowledge of God. Romans 2 says you not only have an inherent knowledge of God. Um, in around the 12th verse, it says that 
God has written his laws in our heart. And around the 15th and 16th verse, it says you either walk in agreement with those things or you violate your conscience by walking in opposition to the laws that God has written on our hearts. And that's why people are absolutely devoid mentally and spiritually and emotionally because they've got a seared conscience. We've got a seared conscience because we as a society have turned our backs on God primarily. And in his laws. Eternal law, ladies and gentlemen. Steve Toff with me, ladies and with me. We're talking about life. We're talking about liberty. And we're talking about hope in society. Businessman, leader in religious things, ministry, and a Texas state legislator on your radio in seconds. This is the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News. The COVID relief bill passes the House. The American Rescue Plan approved early Saturday morning. The almost $2 trillion bill now goes to the Senate. Republican House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy among those opposing the bill this week. Mr. Speaker, let me be clear. The swamp is back. Every day since January 20th, Democrats have sided with their special interest allies and ignored the real needs of the American people. Democratic House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says the bill offers a bold solution for a once-in-a-lifetime crisis. She adds the bill will protect American lives and get our economy back on track. Another COVID vaccine closer to approval. Federal health advisors Friday announcing their support for the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. The FDA must grant emergency use authorization before the vaccine can be distributed. They promise to respond rapidly. This would be the third vaccine approved, but the only one requiring just one dose. This is USA Radio News. Maybe you've heard about MediShare and you know what it is. It's the affordable alternative to health insurance. But you've wondered, can I really save a significant amount of money on my monthly health care bills? And the answer is an emphatic, yes, you can. You can save a lot of money. Whether it's just for you or for an entire family, MediShare has an option for you. In fact, the typical family saves $500 a month switching to MediShare. And it really is the gold standard when it comes to healthcare sharing. You get free telehealth services. You get a huge network of doctors. You get great customer support. And you get the sense of security that comes from being a part of 400,000 people who share not just each other's medical bills, but purpose, too. MediShare is a community of Christians who pull together and pray for each other, which is very refreshing right now. If you want more info, it's so simple. You can get a price within two minutes. Call 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. President Biden glad to hear the news about the Johnson & Johnson vaccine moving closer to final approval. Biden in Houston on Friday, he says we'll get back to normal, but we have to unite. If there's one thing I know about America is this. Americans never give up. They never give in. They never cry uncle. They just struggle, innovate, and they preserve and persevere. We're going to get through all of this. I promise you. We're going to do it together. Together. Biden also in Texas to discuss emergency relief efforts following the deadly winter storm. He promises the federal government will be partners to help the state recover and rebuild for the long haul. Biden yesterday also discussing the military strike he ordered in Syria this week. The strikes aimed at Iran for supporting militia groups that U.S. officials believe have attacked American troops. Biden says Iran should be aware that it cannot act with impunity. 
An Iraqi official says one fighter was killed. A London-based human rights group reports at least 22 people killed, but the Pentagon not releasing any casualty numbers. This is USA Radio News. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking live to Steve Toth. Toth, or Steve Toth for Texas.com. He's a South Montgomery County, Texas state representative, ordained minister, and small business owner. you got to dig all those three. Very unique blend. A lot of people give lip service to religious uh, things, um, but very few are really the real McCoy, or the real Steve, as I should say. Um, you know what? This guy believes in Jesus Christ, and it shows in all that he does. Steve, you were mentioning right on the pause about Romans 13 and the importance of how it relates to governments, right? Correct. Correct. So Romans 13 states that not only does God ordain the people that serve in government, but he ordained the form of governance that we live under. So with that in mind, look at 1776, we become a constitutionalist republic, not a democracy, but a constitutional republic that understands, and this is where American exceptionalism, whenever you hear conservatives talk about American exceptionalism, what is that? And I think most conservatives don't even understand what it is. But what it is, it's the understanding that our rights do not come from a piece of paper. They're codified on a piece of paper, but they come from God. And if you look at what happened around that same time, let them eat cake in France, right, where you had the French Revolution— well, within about 12 years of the French Revolution, they weren't living in liberty. They are living in tyranny under Napoleon Bonaparte. Why? Because they believed that the rights came from government, not from God. And that's why 250 years later, we still live in freedom. Let me say it this way, ladies and gentlemen. The moral code, okay? De Tocqueville kind of pointed out that, hey, we're, we're a great people because we're a good people. When he said good, he meant a moral people. And if we cease to be good or moral, then we cease to be great. Uh, and that's true for every peoples, if you will, on the planet. Okay? If they obey eternal God's laws, they'll be blessed. And he will protect us and heal our land if we repent. That's right. But that's if we the, don't, we lose it all. That's the problem we have right now is we've turned our back on the Lord. He's re, he is removing the blessings of liberty, as my friend Paul Edwards has often talked about, are bestowed on us from God. And when we turn our backs on his law, Romans 1 and 2, then he turns his back on us. He removes the blessings of liberty, and it's when we start experiencing tyranny. Sam, that's what we've got going on in our land right now. I know. That's why we've got to repent. We've got to go back, my friend. We've got to return. We've got to restore. That's why we don't need a revolution. We need a restoration of the greatest yeah. country on the face of the Amen. earth. That's why. Exactly. Exactly. And you, can see, you, you really see that preached in very few churches today. My, my pastor, Steve Riggle at Grace Church, he preaches that every single Sunday. But unfortunately, the pulpit and pastors are quiet because they don't want to offend anybody. they got to get after it, buddy. they got to pull out the Black Regiment. Yep, yep. The Black Robe Regiment. Come on, black people. Black Robe Regiment. regiment. we got to hear it again. Amen. Let's do it. We need it from the pulpit. We need it from the radio broadcasters who have the guts to throw down for Jesus. Come on. All right, I digress. Let's talk about um, Rand Henderson. Yeah, that's uh, He's how a I... great sheriff. He's at our event um, yesterday. And uh, kind of help it out, speaking, and kind of set this whole thing up with the CSPOA uh, in your county, right, sir? Yeah. It, this, so this is so funny. When Rand ran for office, I didn't know him, right? Okay. And so the Tea Party in our area got behind the other guy. And I, I didn't really know the other guy all that well. But I, I said to him, I said, hey, this other guy, this Rand Henderson guy that's running for sheriff against you, I said, he's got the endorsement of, of um, Sheriff Mack. 
and the CSPOA. I said, why don't you have it? And he goes, well, I didn't ask for it. And I said, why didn't you ask for it? And he looked at me, put his hand on my shoulder, and he said, Steve, you're not one of these guys that believes that if the federal government wants to take our guns, you're not one of these guys that believes that I should stand up to the federal government and defend your right to have a gun. Excuse me? Wait a minute. I said, what? Sir? (laughs) Did you just go, sir? Are you kidding me right (laughs) now? I said, are you kidding me? I said, you're... You took an oath when you were a, 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 a city police officer, a police chief. I said, you took an oath to defend the Constitution against enemies, both foreign and domestic. I said, who do you think the domestic ener- uh, enemies of the Constitution are? It's you. It's guys like you. Wow. All right, well, let me ask you this, because this is fascinating. Bill Clinton thought that Sheriff Mack should just shut up and sit down. Yeah. And uh, Bill Clinton even threatened to arrest Sheriff Richard Mack at the time and said, you know what, Sheriff, if you don't go along with my mandate, I'm going to arrest you and throw you in jail. And Sheriff Mack said, I don't think so, President. And they went to battle, and President uh, Bill Clinton at the time lost, and um, Richard Mack won that Supreme Court decision, one of the greatest Tenth Amendment but, modern you know, day realities we face, but why isn't Bill in jail? But here's, if he's going to arrest Richard for losing, and if Bill lost, shouldn't Bill go to jail, sir? Yeah, he sure should, but let's keep this in context. <laughs> I mean, Sheriff Mack won that decision 5-4 because there were five Republican-appointed judges not in, instead of four. But the key thing is that you don't go to the courts to for for state sovereignty. You don't go to the courts for individual rights. You go to the courts to lose your rights and to lose your sovereignty as a state because the courts want to want to infuse more power at the federal level. With rare exception, you're correct. And so what we need to do then is just say no. And so as an example, in May of this year when restaurants uh, and beauty parlors and, and barber shops were closed, I got a call from a group of guys that said, look, we're going to go bankrupt if we don't open up our barber shop. They have a string of them across Texas and south, south, uh, south central United States. And I said, well, how about if I come in and get a haircut? If you guys open, we'll invite the press. And if someone wants to arrest me, they can arrest me. But we're going to show that right now what we need to do is all have some spine and go get a haircut. So myself and State Representative Briscoe Kane called the press. Uh, I called my local sheriff, Rand Henderson. I said, Rand, I said, I'm going to get you in hot water here if you don't mind. And he goes, go for it. What is it? And I said, well, I'm going to go get my haircut and... I just want you to know about it because I don't. I didn't want to do this behind his back. He, he's a true, faithful follower of the Constitution, and he's he's one of our supporters of the. You know, I mean, this guy is a liberty kind of minded sheriff, and a CSPOA member. And Rand goes, "Go ahead. We're not going to give you any trouble whatsoever." And so, sure enough, we went, got our hair cut. It was on the press. It was on the media. Everyone knew about it, and it it really steeled the spine of small businesses across Montgomery County and Texas that we have got to go ahead and open, that, that your, your ability to work isn't just an ability, it's not just a passion, it's a right that God gave you, not government. And there's nothing, is, in keeping with the understanding of what a right is, rights can't be taken away, they can only be infringed. States don't have rights, states have sovereignty, they have authority, they have power, but they don't have rights. You and they I have, based on our consent power. Correct, correct. But only you and I have rights because they've been granted to us by God. Period. End of story. By the almighty author of our liberty, ladies and gentlemen. So when you guys did this, you guys really set the stage for solutions. I want to make this clear. Yes, absolutely. And we wanted to put pressure on government for them to understand where our rights come from. The government can't pick winners and losers. They can't decide who's essential and who's non-essential. 
you know, it's it's crazy. So, as an example, you can't eat at a Subway restaurant, but you could eat at a Subway restaurant if it's located in Walmart. Does that make any sense whatsoever? Well, that's just uh, special people pulling the lever of government in their favor, right? Exactly. If you've got millions of dollars and you've got a 501c4 recognized lobbyist in Austin, Texas, your business can be open. If you don't have that kind of if you don't have that kind of stroke financially, then sucks to be you, you're put out of business and we we will lose about one third of the restaurants in the state of Texas this year that are privately and independently owned. That is just criminal. And that is the genius of America too. The small business owners are the ones that create some of the most unique things, whether it be swimming pools <laughs> or whether it be um, you know food or whatever else it be. That's the genius of America. Nine times out of ten, big businesses don't even create anything anymore or develop things or, or brainchild anything. All they do is they watch for the next guy to come to the table with a new mousetrap kind and of it, thing, it's, it's a, and then they try to buy it and take it over, right? Yeah, and then anytime you see government intervening in our lives, it always screws things up. They can do nothing right. They can't even deliver the mail correctly. Government can do one, two things really well, and it's through the military. They can kill people and break things, and that's what the military is for, and that's the only thing that government does really well. But if you look at what happened during this, this COVID shutdown, we, we saw a huge spike in the number of suicides in, in our county and across the state of Texas and across the United States. And one thing we don't know yet is... We took veterans that already are suicidal, that are struggling with post-traumatic stress, and we said, you can't work, you can't leave your house, but you can go buy alcohol. And so what we want you to do is yeah, go you home. You sit in your house and drink. And watch Netflix, right? You can go home, sit, watch Netflix and drink. What could go wrong with that, right? And so we don't even know. We think, we think the suicide rate, because you, you have to look at it um, um, historically, and retrospectively, and it, it typically takes months and years to figure out what those true numbers are. Our, our suicide rate among veterans could be upwards at, at north of 30 a day right now. But again, that's really difficult information that the Veterans Administration typically takes years to figure out. Ladies and gentlemen, we're praying for daylight to borrow a rascal flats term. We're hoping that Americans can understand. We're at a crossroads kind of right now, in my opinion. We've always had kind of polarization. But they pitched it as the left, right, you know, Republican, Democrat, male, female, whatever default or divide line, fault line they could find. We need to come together as Americans, though, and say, you know what? It's about morality. It's about the Constitution. And anybody who's for that is on our side. And anybody who's not just simply needs to be turned out of office, let them retire, and we'll find people who will. Steve, final thoughts here. Great to be with you, brother. And thanks, uh, thanks for. Um Carrying the message forward of life and liberty. God bless you. Thank you, sir. Steve Toth for Texas.com. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Liberty Roundtable Live. Have we realized the assault against our lives, our liberties, our faith? To defeat this assault, Christians and all people of goodwill should have strategies to prevail in our faith and principles, which are simple. No need for a complex formula. One goal, one aim. A strategy like the heroic Christians of the past. We win, they lose. Nothing less. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm by a friend of Megagoria. 
The strategy of heaven revealed. Big Q, Little Q, the calm before the storm. Available on Amazon.com or by calling Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. The Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The Foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing Foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various Foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. this song to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Hard-hitting talk at your fingertips always. I am Sam Bushman. This is Liberty Roundtable Live. We are live from the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, ladies and gentlemen. Live conference in... What is this, Woodlands, Texas? Oh, man, you got to dig it, man. We had an incredible day yesterday. I want to talk about, a little bit about the day really quick before my next guest joins us and stuff like that. Uh, you know what? Yesterday was phenomenal. Okay, a couple of hundred people in the house, constitutional topics going on, incredible speakers. Michael Parutka doing a phenomenal job. You know, he's the constitutional attorney with um, TheAmericanView.com. And as you know, Michael Parutka joins us uh, monthly on the radio. And uh, he's actually agreed to start joining us twice a month. So that's phenomenal news, too. Um, there was kind of a comment made that I want to kind of address. <laughs> the poor supporters of Michael Perutka and stuff like that um, were saying kind of Michael plays second fiddle to another attorney that's here. That all really remain lame, nameless for the, for the time being. But um, there's, you know, second fiddle. No, Palomino Moon was the one in charge of the fiddles last night. Phenomenal job by them. We appreciate them and all they do. Palomino Moon, incredible uh, what is it, Texas Swing Band? Is that what they call it? Anyway, old-style country. Just killer stuff, though, man. I mean, great musicians, great singing, just incredible talent, fiddles and and uh, steel guitar. and uh, Just, wow, you got to dig it. Palomino Moon, baby, if you want uh, old-style. They said that, they kind of joked, and they said it's um, old-style country music with a modern twist. I think that's how they put it. And um, what's interesting about it is they started out, and they're like, yeah, we got some tunes from 40 years ago. Well, maybe 50 years ago. Well, maybe 60 all right, 70 years ago. Anyway, it was just pretty neat. Great stuff. I like them. I'm grateful for them uh, in their involvement. Wanted to give them a big old shout-out. Palomino Moon uh, is who they are. Just a great local Texas talent. Uh, amazing and available at our event last night. It was just delightful. Uh, anyway, I'm a, I'm a sucker for old country music, too. I love the sound of a steel guitar. I love the sound of a fiddle tearing it up. I just dig that kind of stuff. So there you have that, ladies and gentlemen. All right, um, we also had some constitutional speakers. I mentioned Michael Parutka. And they said that he played second fiddle to Chris Ann Hall. And I don't agree with that at all. Uh, you know, they both have their own unique delivery styles. 
Michael Peruka, in my opinion, is a stallion. I'm talking about a hero for liberty, ladies and gentlemen, a constitutional attorney, uh, a constitutional educator like nobody's business, folks. Uh, and Michael Peruka, theamericanview.com is his website. He really uh, gives speeches relating to the appropriate understanding of the separation of powers like nobody's business. All right. As you know, constitutionally, and I speak of the separation of powers all the time on this broadcast. Um, but you know what? Uh, whether it's the separation of powers vertically or horizontally, it's just as important, okay? We separate on the local level in the three branches of government. We separate the states from the feds, the county from the states. So there's separations all along the line so those folks don't get too much power. Now, it's not working because not enough people understand it, but that was the intent of our founding fathers. Let's be very clear on that reality check, shall we please? So all I'm telling you is this is important to understand. Well, Michael Peruka talks about when these governors just go off or when the president just goes off and decides he's like legislator Joe, okay? It's absolutely a thousand percent criminal. Let me say that again. When these whacked out governors and these belligerent presidents think they're kings and they just go off and think they're legislator Joe, they break the law, ladies and gentlemen. It's criminal activity, and they need to be stopped immediately for their shenanigans. Okay, let's be blunt and clear about this. Why? Because they do not, let me say it again, they do not have constitutional authority. They do not have delegated authority. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is important to understand, people. This is not just a joke. It's not a sidebar. It's not the ramblings of a lunatic. It is incredible necessity education. Well, anyway, Michael Peruka is one of the best at it that I know. All right? And Michael Peruka uh, talks about and brings forth this founding father-esque understanding about pretend legislation. You know, if I were to all of a sudden say everybody must eat footlong Subway marinara sauce meatball sandwiches um, because in the COVID, that's the, the least covid problematic food that you can eat, just say, then it would be a completely bogus pretend legislation, right? Well, the same thing is true with these governors or the president of the United States or anybody else in the wrong branch of government just goes off half-cocked and makes up whatever they want. They don't have authority. They don't have rights to do anything like that, folks. It isn't in their purview, if you will, okay? And so it's, it's called pretend legislation, and Michael Perka really taught me a ton about that. And he can teach you, believe it or not, Michael Pruka has put together um, some new programs at theamericanview.com. And uh, you can get all of their content, all of their educational training content. Um, anyway, go check it out. You can learn more about it. And I don't get a penny right now. I'm just telling you. He does a phenomenal job. And it's worth your understanding. It's worth your focus. It's worth, you know, really understanding and think about, right? All right. Anyway, enough of that, ladies and gentlemen. But I wanted to really double down. Michael Perutka does a phenomenal job, and we need to understand this um, pretend le legislation reality. When these governors want to run around and say, oh, masks, you got to have a mask, I said so, they don't have any authority. So you would say, well, Sam, he, he made a proclamation, or he gave a um, an executive order, or he... So, let me ask you a question. Is that law? If it's law, where did he get authority to make law? It's not in the state constitution. It's not in the federal constitution, right? All right. Anyway, I thought I'd bring that to your attention. 
because it's really important to understand, folks. All right, I guess several teachers in a middle school in Wisconsin were placed on leave following a question which asked a class of sixth grade students how they would punish a slave. I kid you not, folks. <laughs> this is according to CBS Minnesota News, if you don't believe me. Asking these young kids, middle school, Wisconsin, teachers put on leave, asking questions how they would punish a slave. They say the question was part of a social studies, <laughs> social studies activity at Patrick Marsh Middle School, and they said they wanted to kind of really help the students understand. <clears throat> a slave stands before you. This slave won't do what you want, won't obey, right? How do you handle the slave? What punishment would you give? Okay, the slave disrespects the master. What would you do? Then they went on and explained the punishment that was given out in yesteryear. They say they believe that this will help the students understand uh, the way things were, kind of a historical reality check. Um, about how it was back in the day in these different civilizations or societies. Just a whacked out question, ladies and gentlemen. Right? In my mind, you don't ask how you would punish slaves. You would deal with the fundamental reality that slavery, ladies and gentlemen, is evil. Okay? Slavery is satanic. Satanic. Slavery comes from the pit of hell, ladies and gentlemen. And I, a thousand percent, can I reject it more strongly? reject slavery. Now, listen to me very carefully. Because I know they want you to believe slavery is a racial issue, but I don't think that it is. Okay? I believe that slavery is evil no matter who the slave owner or who the slave is. If a black person lords over a white person and makes them a slave, it's evil and wrong. If a white person lords over a black person and they promote slavery, it's evil and wrong. If a man lords over a woman and makes her a slave, it's evil and wrong. Okay? They say no student should participate and or complete the participate in or complete the assignment. I agree with that. The teachers have been placed on leave. I think that's phenomenal. But I would also ask these <laughs> parents. In the first place, why do you have your kids in these government schools in the first place, ladies and gentlemen? They're they're teaching communism. I don't know if you know, but government school is the 10th plank of the Communist Manifesto, okay? And you've got to just simply yank your kids out of that cesspool. I mean, I, I don't get it. Okay, parents are rioting because they're teaching their children about, um, you know, punishment for slavery and all this stuff. Look, get your kids out of the government school, teach them yourself, or put them in private school, homeschool or private school, and you won't have these problems. You've got to have like-minded, godly teachers educating your children, ladies and gentlemen. And if you don't, are you surprised when it runs off the rails? Really? For real? You're surprised when you send your kids to the godless and they teach your kids communism because it's the tenth plank of the Communist Manifesto, right? And then you're kind of mad? I don't even know how to help you with that discussion, right? All right. Anyway, I thought I'd bring that to your attention, too. It's just amazing to me the kind of stories that we that we see and see then they run around and tell you that I'm a racist why because I'm a 
what, white guy? <laughs> All right. Crushed bodies and shattered bones is the headline. That's right. Crushed bodies and shattered bones. Warns the Chinese president. Xi, is that how you say his name? X-I. Uh, do you say Xi? Or when it's X-I and it's like a Chinese guy, is it like Roman numeral? What's that, 11? X is 10, I is 1. Is the guy named 11 or is he named Xi? Anyway, just kind of joking but wondering. But crushed bodies and shattered bones warns the Chinese president. Xi says anyone trying to split any part of the country will be pummeled. Wow, that's not very kind. Where's the, where's the united Biden? Is he going to speak up in defense of the poor people suffering in the communist nation of China? Anybody who believes in, you know, maybe, what, Taiwan or something? Having a chance? Or... <laughs> wow. Maybe it's not just Taiwan. Maybe it's, um... oh, man, what, what, what do we do with this kind of stuff? Do we back freedom or do we just maybe Hong Kong? Can, can any of these people be free? What does pummeled mean? Does that mean they just beat you up or does it even get worse than that? Crushed bodies, shattered bones. And we're going to say, well, you know, Donald Trump incited violence there. Well, the Chinese president is talking about crushed bodies and shattered bones. Now, let me remind you, this is our most favored nation trading, par trading partner, right? And he's talking about crushed bodies and shattered bones. Wow, I'm kind of not liking that dude too much. You know what I mean? Maybe he ought to just mellow out and get a little more peaceful. You think? That would certainly be the hope. Anyway, anyway, two interesting uh, stories that I thought I'd bring to your attention, ladies and gentlemen, as we wrap up this hour. Next hour, we got a couple of guests with us as well. And I want to bring to your attention that, um, man, we are live from the CSPOA conference. And there's sheriffs and public officials meeting now discussing um, how they're going to respond to the gun control belligerents from Biden. Uh, they're talking about the First Amendment. How are we going to deal with stores and businesses closing? And people's rights being violated left and right. We're going to be talking about a bunch of different topics uh, as well. So uh, I'll brief you on the details of what comes out of those meetings probably next week sometime as well. In the meantime, we'll have a couple of guests from the live conference. This is Liberty Roundtable Live. Broadcasting live from Woodlands, Texas, the CSPOA conference. That's the Constitutional Sheriff's and Peace Officers Association, CSPOA.org. This is Liberty Roundtable Live. I declare we the people, along with grace the Almighty, we can and will restore America. Will you get involved, make it a great day, and choose the right? This nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America. of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that ever refused to use, no doubt, continues now. This is the broadcast for February the 27th of the year of our Lord, 2021. Hour two of two, and our goal always to protect life 
liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we're live for the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association Conference in Woodlands, Texas, CSPOA.org to learn more and become a lifetime member as I am. Highly recommend that to you. We now have an interesting sheriff with us. He's a new sheriff, by the way. His name is Randy Hargrove, and Sheriff Randy Hargrove is from Houston County, Texas. And let me get this straight for us non-Texans, sir. Houston County, Texas. Houston's not in the county, right? No, sir, it's not. Uh, Crockett, Texas is the uh, county seat of Houston County. All right. There you have it. Crockett, Texas, named after Davy, I'm hoping. It is named after Davy Crockett, and our county is named after Sam Houston. You got to like that, right? You bet. Now, tell me, how long have you lived in the county? Well, I'm a native of that county. I moved in uh, moved to South Texas in 1965, and I moved back into Houston County in uh, well the mid-'80s, I guess. And how did you become sheriff? Were you, have you been in law enforcement your whole life? I have. Well, not really. Uh, I've actually, I feel like I have, but uh, I've been in law enforcement for about 24 years now. Okay. And what did you do before and, that? Well, uh, man, I, I did a lot of things, Sam. I was in construction work. I tried my hand at sales, and then uh, uh, law enforcement for me became a calling, uh, like a minister gets to a pulpit. It's not a career, it's not a job, but for me it's a calling. And tell me about that calling. Is it because of the people? Is it because of the rule of law, all the above? Actually, it's all of the above. I, it's just something I couldn't get away from. It kept pulling at me, and, and there's such a need for it. Uh, I've seen so many things in, uh, in law enforcement, uh, it, especially it's really brought it to light from this conference. Uh, looking at it from a constitutional view instead of a law enforcement view. As you've been in law enforcement, has it been kind of a learning curve of, of, of how to behave as a sheriff or behave as a, um, really a servant of the people? It is, and, and, it, and it, this is servanthood. Uh, we, are, uh, we are charged to uh, defend and protect and uh, uphold the Constitution of the United States and of Texas, and uh, that, that's part of the calling. Uh, the people need a defender in uh, in my county. Uh, I am that defender. Now, when you say you are, how big is your county? Well, we have, uh, I think it's about 12 or 1,300 square miles. We have about 25,000 uh, oh, residents. Oh, so it's huge. It's, it's, uh, it's a pretty good-sized county. All right. And um, did, you, did you work as a deputy for a long time before this, or what? I did. I worked as a deputy, at, and I'm glad you asked that. I worked as a deputy for 17 and a half years. Wow. And I retired to go to work for the Marshal Service in Lufkin. And uh, during that hiring process, they had a hiring freeze on. So I put in for the, uh, the position of uh, uh, investigator with the district attorney's office to get a little insurance to make sure I had a job and ended up getting that job. And as a result, it, it worked out perfect uh, for me to be able to run for sheriff of Houston County. So tell people what a marshal is. When you say I was going to go be a marshal, what does that mean? Well, uh, that you know, most of us are just thinking, hey, the marshals <laughs> are on a plane, you know? Yeah, right? well, that particular job was going to be with the, uh, the uh, courts in Lufkin, Texas. I would have been basically a federal bailiff. The, the reason I bring that up is because marshal is a pretty generic term depending on where you are and where you sit, and it's not really the same thing. All over the place, is it? That, that is correct. I mean, we have city marshals, we have air marshals, we have federal marshals, and they all have a different job to do, and, and uh, uh, none necessarily one in the same. And some are constitutional, some are not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> all right. Well, now tell me about your county. 
you know, you've been in it for a long time, and I want I want to just discuss the evolution of, you know, they always, you know, my parents and grandparents said, you know, when we were in school, you know, our problem was, hey, tuck in your shirt tail and quit chewing gum and stuff like that. And nowadays, it's like, hey, you know, the suicides and and guns and death and drugs and oh, violence yeah. and sex and all kinds of stuff. Um, have you seen that change over the years? And what do you think the cause is? I have seen that change, and. Uh I think it's just part of the times, and, and the further we get from God, the more we uh, see those kind of things uh, happen in our county. So you do think you do think it's a God-related issue as well? Uh, it, uh, most definitely. Most how, definitely. Come, how come then in the media and everywhere I go, when people talk about, "Hey, we got this problem, we got this problem, we got this problem," they don't bring any of that up. If that's really the the problem, then it's the solution too, right? It it is the solution, Sam. Uh, you know, we uh, the, the further we get from God, the more we. Uh, we are left to our own devices, and, and uh, we have trouble uh, kind of taking care of ourselves when it comes to those kind of things. Uh, we, we depend upon ourselves and not him. Are you allowed to be godly in your position? You know, I've seen sheriffs across the country. Some of them are, you know, on their bumper stickers or their you know, police vehicles or whatever else. They're like, this is God's country, or sometimes they say, in God we trust, or whatever else. And some sheriffs have taken a beating over this. But I think it's important to not separate religion from who we are, right? It is extremely important, and we have in God we trust on our vehicles. You do? Yes, sir. In God you trust, and then it's to protect and defend, huh? Yeah, that's exactly right. Wow. Are, is that allowed? Is, are people freaking out? Uh, no, actually, we have a, a very conservative uh, group of folks there in Houston County. Uh, we have quite an array uh, of demographics, and, uh, but there's one thing in common, and, and that's most, most of the people in Houston County are, are God-fearing people, and they're good people. How do you deal with uh, feds coming into your county? You know, there's a big debate about this, and the CSPOA believes that, you know what, there's jurisdictional boundaries. And uh, our enemies or our detractors lie and say we think that the sheriff is like a god in a county. We don't think that by any means. Uh, what we do think is that the sheriff has tremendous executive responsibilities. And if you look at the checks and balances, there's, you know what, a DA, there's um. Uh, you know, so that's the kind of attorney. There's the uh, county board or the county commission or whatever you want to t- term it that's kind of the legislative body uh, and then you've kind of got the sheriff which is kind of the executive equivalent to a governor or a president within a county it's the checks and balances we're talking about we don't think that the sheriff is a king but we do think he has tremendous power and we do he- think he has a jurisdictional reality in this county and uh, we do think that you know what all things must go you know go through him there needs to be coordination and there needs to be respect and there needs to be jurisdictional boundaries and we do believe those things sheriff we do, and, and if we're going to make this thing work, we have to come together on common ground, and, and there's two areas of that common ground that I see. Number one, and that's, that is Jesus Christ. The second one is the constitution of our country and our state. Are they respecting that in your county? And, and, and what happens when, when, say, somebody says, I want to keep my business open? We've got a lady here right now by the name of Larvita uh, McFarquhar. I don't, you probably saw her stand up with Richard Mack yesterday, right? I, I did, and I visited with her. Uh, she's a very sweet lady. Yes. And uh, uh, she's going to be in our prayers. It, at my sheriff's office, myself, my assistant, and my chief deputy, we pray every morning. We meet in my office, and we pray every morning. And we're going to be praying for that lady that, that God sees her through this. Well, what happens in your county if somebody does that, if they want to stay open and the, the bureaucrats in the state saying, in my opinion, there should be interposition by the sheriff saying, listen, stop now. I know you state people think you have absolute control, but you don't. There are jurisdictional boundaries. I don't have absolute control either. But we need to come to the meaning of the minds on this, and we need to first, uh, it's kind of like the doctor's creed in a way, first do no harm and for, you know, say, look, 
how can we come together in a meaningful way to let her feed her family, feed her children, but at the same time, you know, strike a balance? There's ways to do it if we can coordinate, if we can talk it out, if we can come to a kind of an understanding of what's proper and moral and right and legal. And when you mix all that in a big old thing, shake it up and come out on the other side and say, you know what, the whole purpose of government is to protect us. That is correct, Sam. And uh, so far we haven't had that problem in our county. We've had some uh, folks that closed uh, voluntarily. Yeah, but they can do that. I'm, yes, I'm yeah, okay with that, that too, sure. But uh, as, as far as uh, someone coming in and making our people close up, uh, it's not going to happen. We're going we're gonna to defend the Constitution. We're going to defend the rights of the people. And, and I just have to say one thing. After this conference, I spoke with my, uh, my chief deputy and on our policy manual and the descriptions of uh, the deputies and different uh, employees in our county, the very first item on that description is going to be to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States and of Texas. Critical, ladies and gentlemen, vital. What about the IRS coming in, you know? We haven't had any problem with that that I know of, uh, and uh, I hope we don't. But uh, I can tell you that uh, I've had a fire lit in my soul coming to this conference, Sam, and uh, the the oath that I took before my people and before God, I have to uphold that, and I have to protect my the citizens of my county, and that's exactly what I'll do. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking to Randy Hargrove. He's the new sheriff in town. We're talking about Houston County, Texas. That's the county uh, that does not have Houston in it, but it is Houston County. And I want to kind of articulate, we've got a break coming up here in a second, uh, Randy, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, but, Sheriff, and I want to kind of articulate how, in my opinion, the sheriff would respond to the IRS coming into their county. You bet. And, and I want to see your thoughts on it, see if what I'm saying makes any sense, if you think what I'm saying has a reality of of, of doing it right. Uh, what I mean is I think this is where the citizens and those people who they elect should discuss these things and say, you know what, is there a proper way forward? Some would say, hey, the sheriff just needs to kick the IRS out and melt down. And, you know, and some would say, no, wait a minute, the sheriff needs to cater to the IRS. Who are you talking about? This is the federal government. And I don't think either are true. No, I don't think so. All right. I don't think either are correct. I think both of them are extreme. Both of them is the reality of solutions when we coordinate, solutions when we work together. Solutions when we talk it out. Solutions when we say, what is the proper role of constitutional government? And that's really what I want to kind of get to with regards to this. I want to talk about ways forward. And believe it or not, that's what sheriffs are doing right now um, with uh, public officials uh, at the CSPOA conference. They're talking about what are the ways forward? How do we how do, we do this? And sheriffs feel kind of, kind of caught in the middle. We need to change that, ladies and gentlemen, because they shouldn't be caught in the middle. There should be ways forward that make sense for all of us. We'll talk about that in seconds with Randy Hargrove. He's the new sheriff in town, Houston County, Texas, on your radio. The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like the 2021 Real Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. 
Well, my mom smokes and my dad smokes, and I saw them smoking, so I tried it. They're telling me not to smoke, but they smoke themselves. When it comes to smoking, are you sending mixed signals? But when you teach someone a certain way to do things and you go back on that certain way, it sends mixed signals to the person that they're trying to teach. The parents need to be the example. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Regrets? Oh, we're all gonna have them. Doesn't matter who you are or what you do. At some point, you're gonna wish you'd done something differently. You know, the woulda, coulda, shouldas. But let me tell you a couple of things you'll never regret. You'll never regret spending extra time talking to your teenager. Trust me. You'll never regret answering your three-year-old's question about where the water in the bathtub comes from. And I've never seen anyone wish they hadn't sat in the kitchen laughing with their children and telling them goofy stories about when they were kids. Yeah, sure, we're all going to have regrets, but talking too much with our kids won't be one of them. No matter what you talk about, love is what they'll hear. A thought from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Visit us at mormon.org. Back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, Randy Hartgrove Sr. I just found out on the radio. He is currently the new sheriff in town, sheriff of Houston County, Texas. And I want to paint a scenario for the good sheriff and kind of get his take. You know, some people say, just kick the IRS out, man, arrest them all. Somebody else says, wait a minute, hold on now. This is the federal government here, and you can't do anything to them, sheriff. They just got to pummel you around, and you just got to do whatever they say. And neither of those things, in my opinion, are true. Okay, the truth is there are jurisdictional boundaries. We accept that. The truth is coordination is the best way in my mind to handle this. Coordination means that if you come into the sheriff's county that you let him know about it. You let him know about it for a bunch of reasons, namely safety. Okay, if the sheriff doesn't know people are in town uh, uh, that might be, uh, you know, taking aggressive action, then you know what? The sheriff uh, might be putting his people in danger. Citizens might be in danger because there's a lack of knowledge, the lack of clear direction and consistent coordination. And so I would submit to you that when somebody comes into your county from any other jurisdictional governmental institution or anything else, that they alert the sheriff that they're there, number one. And then number two, there ought to be a protocol that goes back and forth that says, hey, I appreciate you letting me know you're in my county, my jurisdiction. And what are you here for? And then they would say, well, we're here for this reason. Then the sheriff would say, you know what, I appreciate that. Let's sit down at the table and talk about it. i got to make sure that if you're here to do this and this and this and this, that you, number one, are following the law, because that's my job to uphold the law in this county. And so I want to make sure that you guys are not only are following the law, but then I want to make sure you have all the dots, the I's dotted and T's crossed and, and everything else to make sure that it's legitimate, that, you know what, you've got your <clears throat> ducks in a row, so to speak. You've got everything squared away and that, you know, if you want this, you've got the judge's signature and that you've gone through the proper procedures and that you've done your due dilly, if you will, due diligence on the thing. And, and I, I'm, I'm going to make sure of that. And then after that, we'll talk about what the appropriate remedy is. If you're here legally and lawfully and appropriately for a reason, great, we can discuss that. And then we want to discuss the, the downstream actions that you propose to take. And uh, we want to make sure that the actions fit the, the crime or the so-called issue. Um, that, you know, and so if you 
um, let's say, want to come to Sam Bushman's house, and let's just pretend that I'm in Houston County for a second. You know, Sam and Randy are friends. <clears throat> we know each other. Randy knows Sam and his family in general. And, and, and the idea is, hey, you want to come in and kick in Sam's door because his wife has a student loan that whatever, and it isn't paid or whatever the example is. And by the way, I give you this example because it's real. In California, they literally kicked in a guy's door because his wife didn't have her student loan cut up. Well, she didn't even live with him anymore. They were separated, and they literally yanked him out of his house and beat him up and made him wait for hours only to find out that it was his wife's student loan, not even his. And Okay, and they kicked in his door, and they did all these things absolutely out of control. I bring that up, though, because you could sit down with him and say, you know what, look, I can just call Sam, and we can talk about this, okay, or whatever. It seems to me that if we know our constituents, if we work, together if we do a little bit of due diligence uh, ahead of time in terms of coordination and about making sure that, that everything is in a row and it, couldn't this solve a lot of problems where we hear all over the news that hey the wrong house got their door kicked in and this and that and that happened and all these things are going on and, and the sheriff doesn't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole because it's too political and anyway I go down this road right but coming back to this um, sheriff I think that we could go a long way towards creating trust between the people and the, uh, I don't want to say law enforcement, but and the sheriff and the peace officers that serve them, Randy Howard Grove Sheriff, don't you think that would make all the difference in the world? Is that an unreasonable proposal by an average citizen, which I am? No, no, it is not, Sam, and, and you're absolutely right. The sheriff, uh, he is the protector of the people of his county, and I think anything that's done in that county as far as law enforcement, and it, it, no matter the agency that, that performs it, it needs to be checked by standard, and that standard is our Constitution, uh, such as uh, uh, probable cause. Do we have probable cause to do what we do? Uh, have we got a warrant signed by a judge? Uh, you know, in, in, you know or, or are we being protected uh, in our possessions and our papers? Uh, and and uh, who's the one to protect that? And that's the county sheriff. We also need to ask if due process has happened. I've got a, an example in my county where the IRS literally came. They came with 175 kind of SWAT people, whatever you want to say. They literally had a battering ram on this guy's porch. They literally um, demanded the people come out with their hands up. They thought it was going to be a big old meltdown. The only person that was there was his wife. Okay, there were arms in the house, but she was unarmed, and she came willingly, and there was no issues. But they, they had this big show force. They even had, like, choppers in the sky or whatever else for this thing. And I'm just saying, look, the sheriff could have known this guy. He's, he's a well-known filmmaker in the community. This guy's not. I mean, it, it's just insane. I bring this up because it seems to me that all you got to ask of your sheriff for those coming into your county is, you know what, there's due process here. Is there an ongoing court case? And if there is, and it's not completely adjudicated, it's easy to say due process says we need to wait. Is that reasonable? Uh, that That's very reasonable, Sam. And uh, I've, I've seen that happen myself. Uh, it's wrong. Uh, I, I think that we forget that uh, the oath that we take, and that, again, is to protect the people, uh, again, to, to measure what we do in our county and in our our. Uh, our uh, our jurisdictions uh, by the Constitution. Uh, if we if we keep failing to do that, we're going to lose what we have. Uh, it's very important to me uh, that I'm at this conference uh, this weekend. It's it's been an eye opener for me. It's caused me to rethink some of the some of the things that we do and the way we do it. Um, the Constitution is first, 
It's just first. Uh, it is the supreme law of the land. And uh, I, regardless, I, without due process, without probable cause, I have no authority to do anything contrary to that Constitution. Now, a lot of people say the CSPOA is radical. We're anti-government. We um, think the sheriff's a godlike figure, and the sheriffs can just do whatever they want to do. And Okay, you've been to the CSPOA. What do you say to that, to that allegation by the mainstream press? That's completely false. Uh, this, this is educating our sheriffs uh, about our Constitution, about our oaths of office, uh, about uh, our duty to serve our people in our counties, in our jurisdictions. They, they have to have that defender, and uh, that defender is the sheriff and uh, his deputies. Um, it's, there's a whole lot more to law enforcement, Sam, than cuffing and stuffing people and writing tickets and generating revenue. Uh, uh, I tell you, it's, uh, it, like I said, this has been a real eye-opener for me that uh, what, to ask myself the question, what am I really here for? Why am I really wearing this badge and this gun? Is it so I can uh, uh, execute laws, or is it so I can protect the people of my county? And I, I say to you, it's the second. I look at a sheriff it's kind of like a fully informed jury. Are you familiar with fully informed juries? You know, the idea of a fully informed jury is to judge the law as well as the case before them. Right? So if uh, the law says this, and it turns out that I am guilty of the law, that I broke the law, but you would say the law is an unjust law, it's not fair, uh, then it, the idea would be a fully informed jury would say, listen, we're going to let this citizen go because it's the last defense they have. This is a law that ought to never been. And I look at that in, in the example of, of Larvita Farquhar. Um, you know what? There shouldn't be some edict from some bureaucrat governor that says you can't open your restaurant or you've got to force people to wear masks or you've got to do this and that. Um, so if I was on the fully informed grand jury, for example, if that case became before me, I would say, look, the law is bogus. Um, it's not even the proper legislative branch. It's pretend legislation. I'm going to reject that. I, as the jury, I'm going to let Larvita go. Because I, I, don't, I don't believe the law is just or right or fair or honorable in the, from the get-go. And I kind of look at the sheriff that way as well. And then, you know, they would say, well, you think the sheriff can just obey some laws and not obey other laws? Yeah, I think they, the sheriffs and, and the police do that all the time. Sure they do. Okay, so do I think that they can just reject laws they don't like? No, not exactly. But I do think that they have the uh, opportunity and the obligation uh, to try to look at the moral law, to try to look at God's law. And to use their moral compass to reject laws that conflict with people's rights, laws that conflict with protecting people, laws that conflict with the supreme law of the land, and I think they have a duty to do so. We absolutely is that do, reasonable? We, you bet. We absolutely do have a duty. It is a duty. It's also an honor for me to be able to stand and say, this, this law is unconstitutional, but it's been measured by the Constitution of the United States and of our state. And even though someone has passed it, it is not, it's not enforceable because it's unconstitutional. Uh, it, it, kind of the same way with the, uh, the, uh, the orders and the mandates and stuff handed down by governments to say that we have to wear a mask and that kind of thing. Where's the probable cause in that? Um, I, I don't think there is any. Well, there's this term called victimless crimes, right? Exactly. And I don't know that there's a such thing as a victimless crime. <laughs> right? Is there a victimless crime? A victimless crime? I, I, you know, uh, 
the the uh, <laughs> the person that stands accused has the right to confront. Yeah, uh, hang, his hang tight. We'll talk a little bit more about this. Uh, this is an important <laughs> point. Can you stay there with me a little longer? You, you bet. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about Houston County Sheriff Randy Hargrove. This is Liberty Roundtable Live. Exposing corruption, informing citizens, pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News. The eyes have it when it comes to the pandemic relief bill. The House Saturday morning passing the American Rescue Plan by just seven votes. West Virginia Republican Carol Miller among those opposing the almost $2 trillion bill. Let's cut the bull. The $1.9 trillion payout doesn't crush COVID, nor does it create jobs. Our grandchildren should not be saddled with the cost of the bag of bailouts. The bill includes $1,400 stimulus checks for Americans who make less than $75,000 a year. Democratic House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says the bill's passage means help is on the way. The bill now goes to the Senate. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy says the bill's passage means the swamp is back. McCarthy may expand on those comments today at CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference in Florida. McCarthy and South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem among those to speak today on day two of the conference. This is USA Radio News. Hello, this is Wayne Alaroot for our newest sponsor, Asset Strategies, or ASI for short. ASI is a precious metals powerhouse. They sell gold and silver. Never in history has there been a more important moment to buy gold and silver. ASI has been in business for 39 years. They've served over 20,000 clients and sold $5 billion worth of gold, silver, and precious metals with zero complaints. Last year, gold saw gains of 25%. Silver nearly doubled gold's performance. Now Democrats are in charge. Green New Deal, open borders, free health care for illegals. Bailout broke cities and states. The debt is about to go through the stratosphere. The time to buy is now. The owners of ASI, Michael and Rich Jackett, have been my close personal friends for 16 years. ASI is the company I trust when it comes to buying and selling precious metals. Call now to receive a free consultation and a free one-ounce Silver Eagle with every qualifying purchase when you mention the Wayne Allyn Show. Call 800-831-0007. That's 800-831-0007. Or visit AssetStrategies.com. CPAC getting underway in Orlando Friday. Senator Josh Hawley using his time to call out big tech for censoring speech on its platforms. Here's Tim Berg. CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference, is continuing in Orlando. Missouri Republican Senator Josh Hawley on cancel culture. The last six weeks, the radical left, their corporate allies, the liberal media, have tried to cancel me, censor me, expel me, shut me down, stop me from representing the people of Missouri, stop me from representing you, and guess what? I'm here today, I'm not going anywhere, and I'm not backing down. Not a chance. Not a chance. Former President Donald Trump giving the keynote address at CPAC on Sunday. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg. Holly and other CPAC speakers also discussing illegal immigration as border crossings rise. According to reports yesterday, the Biden administration plans to open a new tent facility in Texas to accommodate the new arrivals. This is USA Radio News. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Sheriff... Randy Hartgrove with us, Sheriff of Houston County, Texas. We're kind of mentioning this due process of law and protecting the people and fully informed juries, and, and we're discussing a lot of stuff, Randy. You bet. You bet. It's great, Sam. 
All right, let's let's finish up and then let you fly. I know you're busy and you want to get back to the conference, but but really quick before I let you go, uh, you know, how do we educate not only sheriffs across the country and how do we educate the people? Because it really takes both to work together. We can't have people just belligerent uh, saying the sheriff has to do whatever the feds tell them or whatever. We also can't have the opposite where, you know, they just think the sheriff can do everything he wants anywhere, anytime. Hey, arrest everybody that I don't like kind of thing. And there's a balance. How do we provide that education? We, we do have to have a balance of power, Sam. And uh, that, that is done through educating the public. Uh, town hall meetings would be great. Uh, we have some people that would do that. But uh, I found that, that most people in my county, believe it or not, like Facebook. And uh, so if, if we can spark an interest uh, what, on social media, maybe we can get them to a meeting. Uh, and, and they need to know that, uh, you know, the government works for them. They don't work for the government. And uh, same, same with me. I, I answer to the, the voters of my county. And uh, I want to be able to... Uh, when I lay down at night, I want to be able to know that I've done my part in protecting their rights. God bless Sheriff Hargrove. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. There he goes, doing a phenomenal job, ladies and gentlemen. We've got all kinds of guests here. I just don't even know that I can bring all of them to your attention on the radio, but I've got some that are just phenomenal. We're going to move from uh, Randy Hargrove Sr., Sheriff of Houston County, Texas, that doesn't even have Houston in it, to now uh, former Rockwell County Sheriff, Harold Evanson, and he uh, is a former sheriff and retired from sheriff, I guess, but he's still active and involved. And he's co-chair of the, wow, the Texas Border Security Committee. Is that right, sir? Okay, you got to flip up your mic. There's, there's a button on it. There you go. Okay. Go ahead, sir, and talk well, straight into your mic if you will. I'm co-chair of the National Sheriff's Association Border Security Committee. Okay, the National Association Sheriff's Border Committee. Correct. And you're the co-chair. Uh, and how did you get that position from being a sheriff? How did you, you move into that? Well, I, I was, I've, I've had that position uh, for about seven or eight years. So even when you were sheriff? Do what? Yeah, that's even when you were the sheriff? Yes. When okay. I was sheriff, I was also appointed as co-chair of the Border Security Committee. And the chairman of that committee is a sheriff from Cochise County, Arizona, Mark Daniels. Yes, okay, who we know. That's great. And then, so tell me about the Border Security Committee and stuff like that. I know you guys had a pretty good relationship with President Trump, right? Yeah, we had a great relationship with President Trump. We met uh, the executive committee of the National Sheriff's Association, met with President Trump twice, 2017 and again in 2018. And have you had a chance to develop a relationship with Joe? Uh, I, when I was uh, on the executive committee moving up to the president's chair, we met with then-Vice President Joe Biden twice, I think 2013, 2014. And how that works is the a staffer from the White House will contact the National Sheriff's Association executive director about wanting to meet with the executive committee and then the executive director will advise the staffer what we would like to talk about, the issues we'd like to talk about. And then uh, in Vice President Biden's case, uh, the staffer got back with our executive director and told him what uh, he was willing to talk about, and it wasn't necessarily what we wanted to talk about. And, and with President Trump, 
there were no restrictions. We, there were no restrictions in that regard. We, we talked about the issues that were important to sheriffs and that we needed help on. So define restrictions for a second then, so I understand. Meaning that you can only bring up certain things or you can only... Uh, well, we uh, give you an example. We wanted, okay. One of the things we want to talk about was border security, but Vice President Biden, was that was not one of the issues he was willing to talk to us about. And is that something that is uh, typically done where you just say, we're going to talk, but we're only going to, or we're going to kind of restrict or define the, what we're going to discuss or whatever? Or is it an open conversation typical? Which president's more in the norm? Well, like I said, there were no restrictions in regard to what we wanted to talk about when we met with President Trump. Which is what I would think would be normal, right? That is correct, yes. That's what we should be able to do. But we were not able to do that with the Vice President Biden. And you're, <laughs> I guess, then a little bit skeptical that it's going to change now. Uh, I think we're going to go from a border security standpoint, and that's one of the most important things that we're dealing with in this country. And the first responsibility of government is the protection of its citizens. And with open borders, they cannot accomplish that. So... It seems to me that uh, the sheriffs, especially states along the border, but sheriffs in general, especially with the National Association of Sheriffs or the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officer Association, both organizations, it seems like you'd be able to approach this with the uh, vice president and or now President Joe. You would think that you would be able to discuss this from a national security point of view. It, it, I don't see how that can be off the table, sir. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping you're right, but I'm skeptical to think that that will happen. Is there anything we, the citizens, can do or we, the CSPOA, can do uh, to help increase our chances? Because, I mean, I don't see how you can avoid that, that discussion. Yes, that's that's key point. I think the key point for this country is for the citizens to speak out and address issues that are of concern to them. And I, I can't think of hardly anything that is of greater concern to our country. When you have open borders, you're destined to have problems. There's just no way around it, and it puts a tremendous amount of strain on the infrastructure of those border sheriffs. But it doesn't just stop there. Those the illegals that come into our country end up in no telling, you know, 40, 45 states. They go all over the country. And they go all over the country, uh, sadly, not just on their own, but sadly, we facilitate that. We use government taxpayer dollars to kind of deposit them around the country and really, you know, in a way, participate, right? That's correct. And, it, I mean, can it be stopped? Well, if the only way it can be stopped if the citizens of this country speak out enough and long enough to the right people, maybe we can... Maybe we can turn the tide. I, that, that's what it will take to make that happen. And the National Sheriff's Association has been very active in regard to what their position is on border security. Uh, the Texas sheriffs have a border security group, and the Southwest border sheriffs, you know, meaning Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, California, the Southwest Border Sheriffs Coalition, and they've been very vocal in regard to the importance of border security. All right. Is this something that, you know, a lot of people want you to just believe that this is a political difference between Republicans and Democrats or a Biden and a Trump and that Trump's a little bit intense on the border and a little extreme. And, hey, we need to be more kind to the immigrants. And it's a racial discussion and everything else. 
To me, that's all the watering down that the mainstream press does in bed with politicians with agendas. Okay, to me, Sheriff, or former Sheriff, I should say, I'll just call you Sheriff, right? Um, it, to me, it seems like this is not a debate of left, right, Republican, Democrat, and how you feel about immigration. This is a national security discussion. Okay, if I can't even get on the plane, uh, or my wife can't get on the plane, say, with sewing scissors, little teeny scissors about as big as your fingernail, designed to cut thread because, by golly, they could be a danger. But yet we're going to let the border leak like a sieve and have no idea what crosses our border. And then we're going to assist these people and deposit these people, whether they have gang affiliations or, or you know, Muslim kind of affiliation or whatever you want to say, uh, to the point where it could create danger to the country. I don't see how the two can be. I don't even get the discussion almost, right? Well, if you have open borders, you're going to have some percentage of the people that come into our country that are actually coming in here to, to better their lives, to get jobs. But when you have open borders, you also have people that come in, in, in our case, since we've got the pandemic now, and if they're not properly screened for COVID-19 or any other contagious disease, they put, an inf- they put a, a major cause a major problem with the infrastructure of our hospitals and also they uh, there's a potential that they can affect our citizens and then worst of all if they're they're able to come in then so are the terrorists that would want to do us harm and i have no doubt that we've got people in our country that are here for that purpose because of open borders of the past can sheriffs start arresting those who allow these people to be distributed without being vetted uh, across the country? Well, obviously, the sheriffs on the border and sheriffs all over this country encounter those people that commit crimes that are here illegally. And there is documented, no telling how many cases, where people that have come into our country with criminal histories in the countries that they came here from have committed heinous crimes against the citizens of this country. But the American government or leaders who allow this to occur seem to be, what do they call it, complicit in the crime? They are. Open borders is a recipe for disaster for this country. I, I got to wonder if we ought to be harder on those who allow it and can enable it to continue. Well, the best way to do that is to vote them out of office, and that's what we need to do. All right, stay there, sir. Quick pause. Liberty Roundtable live in sense. I reinstated a policy first put in place by President Ronald Reagan, the Mexico City policy. I strongly supported the House of Representatives' pain-capable bill, which would end painful late-term abortions nationwide. And I call upon the Senate to pass this important law and send it to my desk for signing. We are protecting the sanctity of life and the family as the foundation of our society. And most importantly of all, it is the gift of life itself. That is why we march. That is why we pray. And that is why we declare that America's future will be filled with goodness, peace, joy, dignity, and life for every child of God. As a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. 
For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman on your radio, former Rockwall County Sheriff. Harold Evanson with us. He's co-chair, Border Security Committee, National Sheriff's Association, NSA, if you will. Uh, and uh, what got you familiar with the CSPOA conferences, Sheriff? Beg your pardon? What got you familiar with the CSPOA conferences? Uh, well, I've known about the CSPOA for quite some time. I've, I've had brief conversations with Sheriff Mack. So yes. I've probably been aware of the CSPOA organization for six, seven, eight, ten years. All right, fantastic. We appreciate your attendance uh, this time. Um, tell me about the NSA. Are they strong enough on the border, too, the, the National Sheriff's Association? Are they really willing to throw down and, and, and get after this? Because I, I kind of feel like somebody needs to step up a little harder uh, against an administration that's lackadaisical about national security issues, sir. Well, I I just I don't disagree with you, I, and and I think the National Sheriffs Association has been proactive in regard to addressing the issues that affect sheriffs all over this country. We've been very active in that area. All right, because I think we need to kind of step it up and get the people involved here too. I think the people don't like their businesses being, uh, you know, in concern about their businesses or or private property or. Uh, you know, all these things, ranches along the, the borders. And I guess what I'm saying is I think we need to really get the people into this fight and, and sh kind of shame the mainstream press into telling the tale. Well, I, your, your point made me uh, recall a meeting that I had in Arizona when I, went, when I met with the border sheriffs, and we met with probably seven, eight, ten ranchers, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh generation ranchers. Uh, I have talked with all of the border sheriffs, not I say all of them, the, the majority of the border sheriffs in my 20 years as sheriff and my affiliation with the National Sheriff's Association, one of those years as president of the National Sheriff's Association, I have yet to talk to a border sheriff or a rancher, a border rancher that is in favor of open borders. I think that the American people, if you kind of explain the national security issues, uh, etc. I think 99% uh, of the American people would be against open borders. Everybody that I've talked with that understands the, the danger of, of open borders concur with our position. All right, Vice President of the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. He's a former police officer himself. His name is Rick Dalton. And he spoke yesterday about uh, asset forfeiture. Uh, and I think this is kind of a hot topic. Um, you know, basically Rick saying, hey, you know what, asset forfeiture has to stop. Do you agree? 
No, I don't agree. I do totally agree with him that we should not be policing for profit. Uh, the the great one of the greatest threats that we face in this country is drugs, and the cartels in Mexico are the supplier of those drugs, and we have a eight county sheriff's organization in North Texas called the North Texas Criminal Interdiction Unit. And their focus is on, and has been since 2017, the major traffickers bringing narcotics into this country. Uh, I do agree that there are some police agencies out there that take advantage of the civil seizure process, but the North Texas Criminal Interdiction Unit does not operate in that manner. Uh, we follow the rules. We, we confiscate the major traffickers' drugs, and our first priority is the drugs. And if we happen to get lucky enough to knock off one of their loads of money, the, the drugs go north, the money comes south. And anytime we catch anyone with drugs, there is a criminal case filed. And what he was making reference to yesterday was using the civil asset forfeiture to seize people's property and not filing a criminal case. And I agree with him on that point. So how do you strike a fine line? Because I, I understand what you're saying. What you're saying is, hey, listen, you know what? If we can capture the money or capture some of their uh, ability to, uh, you know, launch their drug trade and carry it forward, et cetera, and they've got uh, vehicles and or assets that allow them to accomplish this, hey, one of the great ways to strike at them and stop this is to uh, make sure that we prevent them from continuing to have their assets and their finances grow. Um, so I get that. I understand your point. At the same time, I kind of say, hey, how do we strike a fine line between it being abused versus it being maybe legitimately used in a meaningful way? How do we make sure that due process uh, kind of takes the cake first? I mean, no matter what, somebody deserves due process of law, deserves a you know, jury, deserves, you know, what I mean is there's constitutional protections there. And how do we not violate those constitutional protections while at the same time, you know what, your fundamental point has value, right? Well, if we use the model that we created when we established our criminal interdiction unit, and we've had sheriff's offices from other states come in and look at our criminal interdiction unit and, and are entertaining uh, the thought of creating one like ours and using ours as a model, but we're not, we're not after the mom and pop. We're not out there to take somebody's three or four or five thousand dollars away from them. That thought would never enter our mind. We're after the major traffickers, and in a since 2017, we have confiscated. This unit has confiscated over 90 million dollars in drugs, uh, made over 200 felony arrests, two of those for capital murder, and rescued two kids, two young minors that were clearly the victims of trafficking. And the other thing, the cartels are not just involved in drug trafficking, they're involved in human trafficking, so they are a threat to us, and we should be concerned about stopping those agencies uh, that, are, that are not doing it the right way, but we cannot forget about the cartel. We cannot do that. I agree we can't forget about the cartel. What about an idea, for example, Arizona, the Arizona House passed a bill uh, to require cr criminal conviction first, to say, you know what, hey, if you've been convicted of this crime and everything else, then maybe you can go for the stuff. Right. But, uh, but otherwise, there's due process here. There's all kinds of constitutional restrictions. 
I get the desire and the need, but I also get the um, due process of law and the, and, the, and the conviction first. And what do you say to that? Okay. I'm going to give an example of why I don't think that's a good idea. There, about seven, eight, nine years ago, there was a state highway patrolman in a county in Texas that stops a truck tractor semi-trailer and finds 2,900 pounds of marijuana on that truck tractor semi-trailer. It had compartments designed to haul dope and money. They, he, seized, he, he filed the criminal case on the 2,900 pounds of marijuana. Then he files a civil asset forfeiture case to seize that truck tractor semi-trailer. The subject driving the truck bonded out of jail, and when his court date was due, he, he did not show up for trial. So therefore, there was no possibility of ever getting a conviction on him, which would have pre- prevented them from seizing that truck tractor semi-trailer. And what would have happened to that truck tractor semi-trailer had that had they not successfully, the state of Texas not successfully seized it, it might very well have gone back to the cartel. Now, hold so on a minute. Who, who, why couldn't you uh, prosecute this guy? Because he flees? Well, if he don't show up, you can't prosecute okay, so him. He, he never showed he up. If he doesn't show up, who's going to claim the truck? The state of Texas filed the civil asset forfeiture to seize that truck. No, I understand. But is the truck in the name of this individual that fled? It was an instrument and a drug trafficking enterprise. No, I understand, but I'm saying somebody would have to come pick up the truck if it's been impounded or whatever, right? That's true. So whoever comes to pick up the truck, you say, hey, we're not releasing the truck until we can, you know, who, whose truck is this? And Can't make a criminal case on that guy who comes to pick it up because he wasn't involved in the process at the time that the arrest was taken. But place. is the truck in his name? Well, I don't know the answer to that. Anyway, what, what I'm trying to get at is that let's say that it was my truck. And I don't know if it was stolen or whatever else, but I guess what I'm trying to get at is that, that we need to trace these items back to the people that own them. And if they're literally involved in crime, then they should be prosecuted for the involvement in the crimes. Uh, if, if you could connect them th- to it, that would be possible. But you would have to make that connection because they're deserving of due process as well. That's right. And so that's kind of what I'm saying is if I have an asset, due process would say if you're going to strip me of my asset, or, you know, then you need to create that connection. And if you can't, I'm not, I'm not defending well, drug let, dealers let, let here. Me but, ask, let me but ask what you. I am saying is yeah. that there's this kind of thou shalt not steal idea. Let right? me ask you a hey. question. Yes. All right. Would that truck was a, an instrument in an illegal enterprise hauling 2,900 pounds of marijuana? Yes. Would you rather the state of Texas take that truck it was an instrument and a criminal enterprise, or let it possibly go back to the people that orchestrated that to begin with. Which you, which would you prefer? If if there's only A or B, then of course I'd prefer that we stop it. However, I submit that there's C, which is to develop ways to track that. Somebody's going to come pick up that asset. If they don't come pick it up, then you're not forfeiting it. They're just not claiming it, right? Well, there's a difference. Secondly, I, if somebody comes and picks it up, and they can be drawn to be the owner of that vehicle, then you can trace, uh, you know, where that vehicle's been used or who it's with, and you can eventually tie uh, maybe greater knowledge about uh, upstream people. Uh, a lot of times they roll people in drug criminal cases to where they find uh, their crime boss and their crime boss and everything else. A lot of times this could be used actually to your advantage to get higher people in the organization uh, over time if you were to trace these details rather than just seize the property, right? If you could link them to that 
enterprise, you could file a criminal case on them, but you make you have to make that link. Yes, and in my opinion, for due process to happen, that link needs to be made, right? If it's possible to make, yes. And if it's not possible to make, they can't claim the vehicle, right? That's correct. Then the state of Texas ends up with it, and that's what happened. They got the state of Texas ended up with that truck. But that wouldn't be asset forfeiture if if they just didn't come and claim the truck. Well, Do you see the difference? That's, that's a legal question. I, I'm I, just I, saying, I, if if I don't come claim my asset, then it's not asset forfeiture. You're not taking it from me, um, or using the law to, to take it from me without due process. I'm just simply not claiming it. And if the drug cartels don't want to come claim things because they don't want that link to start to happen. But I submit to you that if we if we uh, do not do not commit asset forfeiture, then we have for due process to the citizens, uh, whether that truck was stolen or not or used wrongfully. We need to put that. Well, we would know, obviously, if the state of Texas would have known if that truck was stolen because there'd have been a stolen report made on it by somebody. And in this case, that truck was not reported stolen. And do we know whose name it was in? I don't know whose name it was in. Yeah, anyway, all I'm saying is that we need to basically uh, find those things out. Sometimes it might be stolen and somebody's well, just I'm, afraid I'm to sure, report it. I'm sure that the arresting officer and the investigation established who that truck was titled to. I have no doubt that was the case. And I hope that person received due process. That person did receive due process. The, there is, in Texas, there is a hearing on criminal asset forfeiture, and there is a hearing on civil asset forfeiture. So there is due process. Whoever was representing the owner of that truck had the opportunity to explain to the court why they felt like that truck should be returned to them, but the ruling was not in their favor. I understand, and I'm not here to dispute court rulings. I am here, though, to, to make sure that we, we walk a very fine line. I think it's going to take a lot of work on both sides to craft uh, a policy that makes sense and that does uh, afford and protect due process uh, while at the same time stopping criminals. I think the more we work on it together as a team and, and, and not look at you know one side or the other, but we, but we work on it together, the greater chance we have of creating success and, and stability in our system, sir. I don't disagree with your point. I think we must always follow the line of protecting the citizens' rights. Without, We're flat out of time, Sheriff. Thanks so much. Without giving the advantage to the cartel. God save the republic.